You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love her. Brown skin, love her. Brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Yeah. Welcome to the Minority Troublers Podcast, and I'm your host Greg EUV Culture Change Agent. Yes, I am excited, excited, excited today. I know it's Monday. You're like, oh gee, that will happen every Thursday. Hold your, hold your breaks, hold your breaks. Today's episode is special because we are announcing a product debut. This is like one of the first of all time on the Minority Trailblazer podcast. The official Black Wall Street app is now available on the App Store. It's called the official Black Wall Street app. What does the app do? The app allows you to know what Black-owned businesses are in your area. No matter what state you're in, it has a list, and sometimes it would notify you if you walk past it. So it's a great brand new app. The app just went live on the App Store around like Friday and Saturday, so it's on Google Play and uh, Apple App Store. So I had to hold off on the podcast, so don't at me, all right? Um, before we get into this interview, and this is a short interview, it's not an hour and 30, it's like an hour and 10, so clap for me for that. <laughs> I just want to get a couple housekeeping things. First and foremost, we will be in San Francisco, matter of fact, Oakland to be exact, Saturday, November 4th, from 4 to 7 p.m. at the Oak Stop. You can get your tickets online at gregeehill.com backslash MTP live. This will be our eighth stop. Out of 11, please make sure if you know somebody in San Fran or Oakland, Cali, whatever, make sure you come on in. Get your tickets at greggyhill.com backslash MTP live. And if you would like a special discount, enter promo code MTBFF for 50% off your purchase. And that is for only my Minority Trumpets Podcast listeners. Thank you for showing out. Um, also, we will be in Dallas November 11th, that Saturday, at Downtown Library. What are we going to be? We're gonna, oh, December 18th. No, November 18th, we'll be in North Carolina A&T State University. So get your tickets there. Also, December 2nd, we'll be in Seattle, Washington, and that will close off the year. And my last two updates before we get into the podcast. Make sure you go ahead and look online and register for the Minority Trouble as a conference. I have uploaded a couple select speakers. I'm uploading the agenda the rest of the week. Man, go ahead and get your early bird tickets now. We got like a week left on them, so go ahead and secure them now. MTBConf.com. Once again, that's MTBConf.com. And last but certainly not least, if you're listening to this podcast on SoundCloud, follow us. On YouTube, subscribe. On iTunes, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. And on every other platform, share with a friend to share with a friend to share with a friend. So without further ado, let's jump right into this interview. 
On this show, you interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation of leaders. And season four has gotten off to a phenomenal start, and we're going to keep the party going. So today, 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 we got somebody on the line that's going to add a lot of value, releasing some new products, some new information that's going to change the black business space forever. I said it forever so i'm gonna read a little bit of her bio and then we go jump right into it so she's the founder and ceo of the official let me repeat the official black wall street do not at me after studying entrepreneurship at babson college she set out to empower the black community through economics and ownership with a deep-rooted passion for all things social media entrepreneurship and black culture she has worked tirelessly to make it easy for others to find and support black entrepreneurs through a digital platform and black business directory in 2017 she was invited to tedx dover the first ted event held at an hbcu to give a ted talk on ownership and long-term wealth in the black community she was also chosen to present her business pitch to a panel of celebrity entrepreneur judges on Centrix TV new series, Queen Balls. During her professional career, she has worked at Atlantic Records, Complex Magazine, and Essence Magazine in social media and digital marketing. When she isn't working to fuel black businesses and spread the word about buying black, she is volunteering as a mentor to any city students and creating social strategies. So, 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 I know that was a lot. I know there's a lot of experience, a lot of black uh, magic, and I'm just excited to have on the show. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Mandy Bowman to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey how's it going? <laughs> nah, it's going well, man. We out here at 8.30 Thursday, man. I'm excited. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm so excited, especially after that intro. I'm ready. Yeah, no, nah, I been. I was born ready, and I'm glad. And shout out, shout out, shout out to to Riel Jones for connecting us via email. I have to have to shout out Riel Jones, phenomenal event planner based out of Detroit and Atlanta. Man, she's a phenomenal girl, smart genius. Man, ooh, check us out in a, a podcast. I don't know the episode, but great podcast. But Mandy, Mandy, man, I'm glad to have you on the show. So as we always do it. And minority troublemakers of fashion, we start to show off with a quote. And so if you could, can you share a quote and how you apply that quote to your everyday life? Hmm. One of my, so the first thing that comes to mind, it says one quote where it's like, failure is only the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. I'm sure I'm not saying it right, but it's something <laughs> along those lines. <laughs> um, but that's reassuring for me because it's, you know, everything is a learning, a, um, you know, a lesson. Um, to apply to something else and, you know, kill it the next time. So that's that's probably one of my favorite quotes. Mm, so so give me a story. Give me something tangible that, that, that happened recently. Did you apply that? Hmm. Um, let's see. What can I what happened with official black Wall Street? Um, you know, the app. OK, so the app development process has been a process <laughs> mm -hmm. um, to say the least. Um, and so I feel like this whole entire thing has been a huge learning lesson for me. Mm -hmm. Um, like the, the app is, is out now and I'm already ready for the second win. Um, so, <laughs> and, and, so and, with and, this, and if you can huh. give us, um, cause I know we just jumping in, but since we yeah. already here, can you give us some context on, dang, all right, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Um, yeah. Get some context on Black Wall Street, what it is, and then segue to the app. And then we'll get all the, the career and the backdrop after mm -hmm. we kind of talk about it. So cool. 
Okay, cool. So Official Black Wall Street um, is um, my startup that I began about two two years ago. Um, so I launched a site for it. It's basically a platform that helps people find and support black businesses. So you can go on there and you can, um, there's a search feature. So you can search um, via category, via keyword, city, state, location um, to find amazing black owned businesses that you can support in your area if you're traveling somewhere else. Um, so it's a great tool to, to help us keep the black dollar um, circulating in our community. Um, so I launched the website for it in June of 20 or July of 2015. Um, and since then, I mean, the response has been amazing. Um, we have I, I launched it with about a thousand black businesses around the country. And we're now at the point where we're a little bit over 3000 black owned businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, some. Most of them in the country, a lot of them around the world as well. Um, so it's been really exciting. It's been really fulfilling. Um, it's something that I've been working on, or at least planning for, um, and passionate about for years before I launched the website for it. Um, but the biggest question was, all right, this is cool, but like, where's the app? Like, the, an app would be a lot easier and more efficient to use. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing about that is that apps are expensive. Yeah, they I. So when I began that process, I was thinking like, okay, it'd be like, you know, $5,000, you know, at most. Um, And the quotes that I had gotten were like well beyond 30K. (laughs) So, yeah. um, That take that little $5,000 budget, like what? Take the what? (laughs) And lead what? (laughs) Right. What are y'all doing back there? Like what kind of app are y'all building? Is this something else that I didn't know? (laughs) So it's it's very custom. And I think that's why it's... um, that's why the quotes were always so high. Um, and I wanted something that was, uh, that was extremely, you know, good quality. Um, so with the app, you're able to one year, you'll be alerted whenever you're, you walk by a black owned business or whenever you're near a black business. Um, so we basically do all the work for you. Um, so you'll be alerted whenever you're near a black business. Um, you can search, um, via your current location you can search through you know whether the business if you're looking for a restaurant you can search you know for whether search for one that's open now um you can search through categories through different locations um you can search through different special offers um it's it's a really um it's a really resourceful app um and there are a lot of little um a lot of little features that kind of made it a bit more expensive than I um, would have wanted it to be, but I thought it was necessary. And I, I really wanted to put out something that was, that was resourceful and something that worked really well. So that was important to me. So, so last year I launched a Kickstarter to raise the money for the app. Probably wouldn't do one again because that was probably the most stressful time of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, just for a little bit of background, at that point in time, I was also working at Essence Magazine, um, and I was the only person working on official Black Wall Street, and managing the Kickstarter was like, I was way over my head, but mm-hmm. um, I reached the goal. What was um, the goal? The goal was $30,000. Wow, and you raised, by yourself, 30 racks. Yeah. Walk us through that. Walk us through I know. Uh, yeah. Walk, walk us through that and explain the torment. Cause I, I, cause the reason why I would like for you to explain because, um, my, myself, there was a person, uh, I, I hold the high esteem. I love what they're doing. And they re- recently just raised 25K on something. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a friend. I was like, yo, 
That's crazy. Like that's a that's a lot, man. I was thinking like, yo, hold up, my tour. I I never thought about doing a Kickstarter because this is I know it's a lot of work that goes mm-hmm. into it. But I was like, man, they they should be they should be X Y and Z. They, they should be feeling good. They was like, yo, gee, if you knew how much how much social equity they had to to utilize oh, and God. and everything <laughs> to do it, they got the money. But mm-hmm. it's just a whole different thing, like actually executing on everything and how mm-hmm. much you have to stretch yourself to go ahead and, and do it. So, man, please break it, break that, break that down there. Cause uh, I don't want the people that's listening to always get context. Okay. Cause I don't want them here to just say, okay, Ray started and we move on. Like I want people to really get context on what it looks like, A, to get it. And then once you get it, what you have to do, because so many people that listen to this podcast are like, oh, I'm inspired. I'm encouraged. I can go do it. You can go do it. But there's mm-hmm. some things that you're going to have to go through and have to have to be in the trenches with in order mm-hmm. to really get the success to get it. A lot of work. Um, so with the Kickstarter, I mean, um, there are a lot of people who start Kickstarters and it just takes off. Um, but <laughs> those be the ones on the front page. You're like, oh, right. Wow, and you think that's idea. the that's the norm, yeah. but not at all. So I had during the time official Black Wall Street, we had maybe over a hundred thousand followers. So I was like, oh, thirty k is nothing. Like I'll be able. I was nervous about it, but then there are people who are like, oh, you have a lot of followers, so it should be fine. Ooh, that's a myth um, too. We gotta talk about that too. But continue. Yeah. Um. So during the beginning, it was more so just promoting it on social media um, through our different social pages. And it started off extremely slow. So we were a weekend, <laughs> a weekend. And I was just like, all right, now nah, I'm sweating bullets. So what were we looking um, at? Weekend, we had like a thousand? No, I think it was maybe five. Five thousand? Yeah. That's I mean, even <laughs> What? Yeah, I mean, if I want to raise 30K and I'm, I only had 30 30 days to do it. So four weeks, if I have 5k and that, if I keep going on that, you know, that track, then I only have 20, you know, mm-hmm. by the end of it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 20. Um, so that was low for me, you know, projecting what I would get if I continued at that rate. Um, so I'm like, all right, I need to, you know, figure something else out. So, I mean, I had an email campaign where I did, you know, we have a newsletter, so I did blast out to people and I continued promoting it on social media and, you know, all the benefits for the app. Um, and it, it was just extremely slow. Um, so my biggest lesson was I learned that I kept talking to the same people. Mm. <clears throat> and I even had a press release written up and had it sent out to different people um, or different, um, you know, media outlets. But I realized that I was talking to the same people in my social media efforts. Um, so one of the the one of my saving graces during that time was reaching out to other people and other social media networks and saying, hey, this is what we're doing. Um, I would love it if you would support, you know, we'll I'll, you know, um, post about y'all as well. Um, so that was a, the biggest thing, just spreading the word a little bit more. Um, I think that was probably the biggest. And once I did that, everything picks up a lot more. Um, but I've learned that you really can't rest on, you know, your 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 particular network, um, your family and friends, your social media followers. You really have to branch out from that and grab onto other people's networks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what um, I probably learned that maybe two weeks in. <laughs> <laughs> so before that, it was just a lot of a lot of struggle, a lot of stress. Um, I remember walking and on top of that, um, I just started my job at Essence maybe a couple months, maybe a month or two before. Um, 
And so it was just a lot of stress keeping up with both things. I, f- I remember walking into the office and I felt like a zombie. Like I was just so tired. I've never been so tired and stressed in my life. Um, you know, trying to, to go back and forth between the both of those. And then also keeping up with, you know, the regular official Black Wall Street stuff, emails and things like that. Um, so there's definitely a lot that goes in it. You absolutely have to have um, a game plan before you step into it, just in terms of how you're going to get the word out, who else is going to, you know, post it for you or post about it and help you promote it. Um, so that was probably my biggest lesson throughout that process. Mm. So, so what was the tr- what was the tipping point when it started like trickling in? And you said, "Yo, we gonna hit it." Um, it was I would say the end of week three. Um, the I think the end of week three, I still had to raise ten or fifteen k. Woo! Yeah, <laughs> in a week. In a week. Um, but it was it was looking a little bit better because it it sped up a lot more. Um, then it did, then, you know, the rate in which we were raising was a lot, um, higher. Um, so in those last couple of days, man, it really, and I think the thing is that a lot of people wait, they're like, oh, okay, let me wait until the end, you know, to, I have, I have X amount of time for me to, yeah, yeah, to get to this. We I'll already wait, know how so. that is. We going, okay, yeah. early birds 20. Okay. I'm cool. 25. All right, cool. Day of, oh, how much is it? How much is it in the door? <laughs> like, how much? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So there are a lot of people, even my friends who were like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll donate. And they waited till the last day. And it was like, really? You just wanted me to stress out this whole time. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so I think that played a, a role in it too. People, a lot of people just wait until, you know, the last couple of days, um, and there might be other people who wait because they're like, all right, let me see if this is, you know, if this is going to gain traction to see if I, it's necessary for me to put my money towards it. Um, so I think that's what it was. Um, so I, I had been sweating bullets until maybe the last the last couple of days, the last week or so. Mm-hmm. And what, what was that feeling when you hit the number? Like what it was like, take us to that oh, moment you looked oh. on as like, yo, whoa. We really did it in a, in a month. Oh, I remember. I remember that because I was leaving work um, and I got a notification from Kickstarter and it was from my aunt, my aunt Carol. And she had um, she had donated the rest of the money to make the goal. And it was like three hundred something dollars. So I was I remember walking toward the train station. And I stopped and I was like, oh, my God, thank you, Lord. Like this is finally over. I mean, I. The way that things were going that last day, I knew that it would um, reach that point. But man, just to see it and be like, "All right, I can stop stressing out now." It's you know, like it's, it was like that uh, pursuit of happiness moment when he got the yes. job. He's like, <laughs> everybody looking at it like, "What's what's going on with him?" He's just like, "You don't know what I've been through." Right. I was sleeping in the subway. <laughs> that was that that exact moment. Oh man, that's good. That's good. But then the day after, like, hold up, because did you have like different? pledge amount like different uh packages you have to do for different pledge yeah. amounts mm-hmm. and then that's um, when it got real yeah so that's when you have to so it was twofold because one i already had a developer that i wanted to work with so then i had to jump on things with him and then also make sure that i was fulfilling everything um so we had t-shirts um one thing that i did just to ease it a little bit more um so that I didn't have to spend as much time shipping things back and forth was for some of the levels I did like eBooks um, and um, different, um, like for example, for business owners, um, they got, you know, free social media promotion 
for at a certain level or homepage feature on the website and app when it comes out. Um, so doing things like that that involve whatever you're whatever you're working on. Um, and for me, it was a little bit it was a little bit difficult to come up with what I wanted to do because what I was working on was tech based. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like I was working on a, a product that I could just ship out to people. Yeah. Um, so I thought that that would be the easiest route. Um, so yeah, that, that definitely took some time because you have to reach out to people and then sometimes they don't really respond. So you got to keep reaching out cause you're like, all right, I want to ship these out one time. Um, so, um, it was that. And then also, you know, getting things up and going with the developer. Yeah. So tell me about that. Cause it's like, okay, we got it. We're shipping stuff out. And then you walk into that room or you, you send an email and then it's like, we actually got to build this thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was a, that was definitely, that was definitely a process. Um, so my biggest lesson is that you have to make sure that you like every single detail has to be flushed out, um, and has to be stated. There can't be any, um, gray areas. there can't be right. No gray areas. Cause you will end up paying for it in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, every little feature you think you might want, you have to plug it in because if you, if something is already built and they have to go back and, you know, add something in, that's going to cost you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I meant about, you know, um, I already forgot the quote. Um, failure is only the, the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. Um, because I had, I realized that I made a lot of, um, a lot of missteps that I could have avoided or that would have been, um, yeah, that I could have avoided and could have saved a couple of coins. Um, (laughs) (laughs) if I had been more knowledgeable, um, during this first round of development. Um, so I, you know, just knowing exactly like being so specific, um, about everything, um, that would have saved me a lot of time and effort. Yeah, nah, I get you, I get you, I get you. So now, is the podcast out? I mean, is the uh, app? Is the app yeah, out? the app is out. Um, the app is out. Um, I'm extremely excited. Um, so we've gotten we've the the response has been great. Um, and I'm, I mean, that it just came out, but I'm already excited to to go to the likes to start building new features and um i have a lot of really really cool things in mind for it Mm. and where can people find the app at um so it's on android and apple devices so you just go to the google play store that's what it's called right uh google play store or the um or the app store and search obws or official black wall street and it'll pop right up Okay. 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 That's, that's dope. That's dope. I'll make sure everybody, and we're going to have the link in the show notes. So, and this is, this is huge. Like this is, I know we're underselling it, but this is kind of groundbreaking because I know there is other, other websites and maybe some other apps out there, but the functionality, the cleanliness and, and, and what I'm anticipating from it is definitely mm-hmm. different. So can you speak to a couple of things before we kind of get into the backstory of why you even started and how this idea even came about? What makes official black wall street different than a all the other black wall streets out there <laughs> because it's crazy. Like seriously, there there is like a black wall street, uh, in, in my hometown in two weeks that are doing this, this, uh, homecoming event. And then also too, from all the, uh, the buy blacks of the world. And not to say there's a competition because I mean, we're all like, we're all are helping and promoting black businesses. But what, what is your difference? And, and then how, and, and how her, you've been able, 
why do you call yourself the official Black Wall Street? And then the next second question is, what is your difference? Yeah. Um, so I've seen, I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, when I was developing this, I made sure that I, you know, looked at other similar um, apps and websites. Um, and I can definitely say that, um, like the, when it comes to the user experience, it's definitely far beyond what I've seen. Um, when it comes to the different features and just the, the ease of use. And, um, so one, one of the, the major things about me when it came to official black wall street is I wanted to make sure that it was presented in a way that reflected something that I would produce. Um, so something that was of high quality, um, so everything from the social media pages onto the app, um, it all has that same flow. Um, so, so the reason why, um, so even with the app, like we have one of the biggest differences is that um, our features are, we have a lot more features, especially when it comes to black business owners. So for example, <clears throat> you're able to have a homepage feature. You're able to um, advertise on competitor listings. Um, you're able to be alerted whenever you're near a black business. Mm -hmm. um, you are, here we go. You're able to promote your, your sales. You're able to respond to reviews. Um, there are just a lot of different features that are, um, that are really useful for business owners when it comes to connecting with consumers. Um, Business owners are able to message consumers who um, who bookmark their page just to have a, a you know a closer relationship with them. We really, when it came to the different features, I really wanted to make it so that business owners um, one gain more exposure on the app and on the website, and two that they have a, a closer relationship with their consumers and yes. they're able to actually reach out to them and say, hey, you know, we have this coming up, or hey, I'm the founder. This is you know why I started this, so forth and so on. Um, so that's why I think it's it's definitely far beyond what I've seen before. Um, I would say that it's, I would even call it a premium app. <laughs> yeah. um, Own it. That is yeah. it's a premium app. It is it is what right. it is. Like there's nothing out there. In and and not to say I'm the well, well the most well researched person out there. Mm -hmm. However, every directory that I've been to in the past has been scattered. It's been a lot. It's been dead links, dead, dead phone numbers. And of course, you're always going to have that. There's always going to be a risk of that because people go in and out of business and all this other stuff. But just to have the functionality where I can be in maybe Kansas or maybe like I'm going to Boston in a couple of weeks and potentially be able to support black owned businesses in a variety of things, not just restaurants. I mean, in a mm -hmm. variety of different aspects is it's like the Yelp of black business in a sense. Right. 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 Um, yeah, so people can get on it and they can, you know, find from wherever they're standing, they can look at a map and see what black businesses are around them. Um, they can check into that business and receive like a, maybe a promo from the business owner. Um, they can find directions. Um, there are a lot of really cool features. Um, and like I said before, the user experience is really great. Um, and that's one thing that I really wanted to stress because I've been on a lot of different apps before, whether they're similar or not. And one of my, one of the biggest downfalls or the biggest reasons why I was just like, oh, I'm not using this anymore. is because it just looks, it wasn't aesthetically pleasing and it, it, the user experience was just horrible. So that was one thing that I um, was really, really focused on when it came to this app. Mm. So question, question. So currently, as it stands right now, do you own 100% of the company right now? Yes. So 
this is a bigger question because I, I like to bring real conversations, real dialogues to this podcast, and we've been flowing phenomenal um, thus far. But when I listen to this, this of what it offers and what it has the capability of doing for the for the culture, I'm like, yo, this is huge, and mm-hmm. I see that if somebody else would have had some type of idea, I mean, cause this is a big market, a lot of business in tow, and this is only the beginning cause 3000 business. I know there's many more. Mm-hmm. So like, have you reached out to get investments? Are you in the process of doing that? Like, what does that look like? Um, so I wanted to have the app out. So this could be my MVP. Um, and then, you know, start looking at different investors. The only, my only, um, thing about that is that I would want it the investor would have to be black and would have to understand, you know, why I'm doing this. Um, and not saying that someone who isn't black wouldn't understand, but I think it's, it's just for the culture. And I've heard a lot of people say that, um, even this is really ignorant, but I even heard a radio host one time joke around and say like, Oh yeah, if you want your business to, you know, get off, get off the ground and be popping, you have to have a Jewish man behind it. Um, and official Black Wall Street is all about us supporting each other and proving that we can do it on our own and on our own and, you know, pull ourselves up. So for me, it would be like 100 percent would have to be um, a black investor who understands um, just to, you know, disprove that that whole myth that we need somebody else. Um, or we have to sell our businesses outside of our communities in order for it to be something big. Um, we have enough you know, black VCs and black investors and black, you know, business, business people who, you know, I mean, we can do it ourselves. That's my biggest thing. Uh, I like that. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that because I mean, it sounds weird. I mean, unfortunately, look at BET, look at a lot of uh, uh, platforms that are are like even is essence is essence. Essence is owned by time, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of yeah. black wall, black black businesses are are funded and and and, and held t- held down by white corporations. And let's not get it confused. I mean, there's always in the end of the day, uh, we're all humans, and there's always like you're gonna need certain resources that that black people honestly cannot cannot provide. Not as mm-hmm. far as financially, but certain things maybe in tech. Like you, I, I, I hate people. I don't hate people, but it's just difficult. Somebody say, I can do everything has to be all black. Like, hold up, man. Like some, the doctor that probably bought you in this world probably wasn't black, bro. Right. Like, for real. Like, <laughs> let's get, let's be real. Like you get like your mind in request. Make sure we got a black dog. And she was like, let me get this baby out of me. So let's not <laughs> like, so I get the funding part, but every, some people just go to the extreme. And it's like, so I can't go to Whole Foods. Like I can't, I mm-hmm. can't go to Walmart for a second just to get like a, a dollar water. That's it. I gotta, I gotta go to the, to the mart. I gotta go to the African <laughs> store. Like what? So I can't, I can't go to the BP for real, man. Like where I gotta go. We don't got no black gas stations like that. So, um, there's, there's definitely a give and a take. There's a give and a take. And, um, uh, but I am excited because I think that, uh, the, the potential of this and, and I, I don't even want to put the word potential on it because potential, I think sometimes I, I, I get offense when somebody say potential. I think what it is and mm-hmm. what can it, what better word, what it can evolve into. I think it's phenomenal as long as it continue to stay on this path and continue to innovate and do things of that nature. So before we get to your backstory, how did this even start though? What made you say this is a need and I want to be the person that fills it? Um, so after I graduated, um, I read a book called Riot and Remembrance Graduated from and it where? was about, um, the Tulsa race riot, um, and the black wall street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. 
Um, and I'm not even sure how I found this book. Um, but even reading through it, like I had, I wanted to be an entrepreneur since I was in junior high school. I knew that for a fact. Um, and reading through it, um, and representation is such a great thing. I was reading through it and they were talking about how there were these black business owners who had ever, like they had these profitable, amazing theaters. They had pharmacies, lawyer offices, even their school system was more superior to the, you know, the white town nearby. Um, and it was to me, it was so dope to see all of these um, black business owners who were basically killing it um, throughout industries. Like they were completely self-sufficient, had everything in their own community. And I thought that was dope. And it kind of it kind of reminded me of where I grew up at, which was um, in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, it did and then it didn't. So for one um Best Eye today is completely different from what it was when I grew up there. Um, it was a very, very um, melanated neighborhood um, back then. And it kind of reminded me of that feel where it was just like there, you know, you know, everyone, you know, the, you know, there's, there are all these little mom and pop shops that are black owned. Um, but a lot of them couldn't survive through gentrification. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, I feel like it could have been. Um, it still didn't amount to what Black Wall Street was in terms of having all these, you know, black owned businesses, because you still have people from outside communities who came in because they knew, you know, we love to spend money. Um, so that really inspired me to go out and just support as many, you know, black owned businesses as possible to hopefully help them keep afloat um, and to help them, um, you know, to help other people see them and be like, all right, well, you know, I can start my own business, too. Um and so that's where I started at. Um, the only thing was I went looking for different, um, I did my research and tried to find different directories and stuff that would help me with that. But the ones that I found just, they were, the user experience was not, um, it just wasn't good. It wasn't pleasant. Um, <laughs> right. It wasn't pleasant. It's a good way it was to put it. It frustrating. Um, it was like, yo, what in the world? Like I'm trying to click this thing. It's not clicking. Why does the link not work? Like seriously, right. like, why does it leak? Lowest links. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't. It was hard to get through, um, and it it wasn't updated. Um, it, the flow of it just it just. So I was like, you know, I'm just gonna start my own list, um, just so I can make sure that things are still open or things are still black owned and so forth and so on. Um, and in doing so, I found so many dope black businesses, um, even in my area that I had never knew of before. Um, and that kind of inspired me to just start sharing it with other people. And so at first the, my thought was, okay, I can start, you know, a directory or something for New York city. But then I was like, you know, why not, you know, dream a little bit bigger and, you know, do something that, that's, that people all around the country can benefit from. Um, and so I started the social pages for official black wall street and I literally just started them, um, sharing images of black businesses, Mm -hmm. um, and linking to them. And you started with and, no following, right? Right, no following. And when was this, 2013, 14? No, this was 2014. So 2014. And this is Instagram, yeah. Twitter, and Facebook? Right. Okay. And Tumblr. Um, so that's how I started. Um, and it just, it grew to something that was, I didn't even, it grew to something bigger than I had envisioned. Like, I thought I would just, you know, do these little cute Instagram pages and hopefully, you know, people would be inspired to support um, but the, my, the following, um, really grew 
And I was like, oh, wow. So people are really, you know, I feel like I'm actually doing something. And then the Michael Brown shooting happened and I became completely um, like this. I felt like I was living through my passion in, in doing this and then finding black businesses and giving them more exposure. Um, I felt like I was doing something to to at least help push us forward and whether it be in the smallest way possible. Um, so I feel like I, I found my calling through, you know, doing this and helping black business owners. And the, the, the best part of it all is hearing from black business owners who were just like, Oh my, you know, you posted about me or I listed my business in your directory. And, you know, I'd seen all these click throughs or, you know, I, my, my sales went up and I'm just like, yes, you know, that's, that's really what, what fuels me. Um, just hearing from black business owners and seeing that they're, you know, getting a response from, from official black wall street. Yeah, nah, I get you, I get you, I get you. And I know that's the biggest thing. Once you like put something out there, it's like, it's cool. And you start posting stuff. And then people start saying, hey, can I get listed? Or then you list something and say, hey, I really appreciate it. And then somebody actually buys business and somebody spends money or something. And it's like, continues to roll and roll and mm-hmm. roll. And then you're like, hold up, I got to monetize. I got to do something then. It's like, okay, right. it, get, it gets, <laughs> it's called cool. Until, and then it's like, as it scales, then you get more requests and you're doing more stuff and you're doing more intentional. And then it's like, hold up, I'm doing all this free. So, right. like, so when was that breaking point for you? Cause I know a lot of entrepreneurs or not even entrepreneurs, because this podcast for anybody that's listening is you're doing something so much. And then it gets to a point where it's like, you're getting good at it. And it's like, hold up, man. I'm seeing somebody do the same thing and they getting X, Y, and Z. Like <laughs> it has to play into your head. So when was the tipping point you said, hold up, uh, 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 let me, let me make this a business or something. Um, I think it was, hmm. So I, okay, let me, let me think back. So I launched the site in July of 2015. So it was definitely uh, last year, maybe the beginning of last year, where one, I was like, okay, um, so now I have bills to pay when it comes to official Black Wall Street. Like, I got to pay to to send out um, newsletters to help promote Black businesses. I have to, um, I can't do all this on my own, so I have to get more people on board. Um, so that was one thing. And two, I felt like, you know, because our following, we were just getting a lot of traction um, and with our following, it just felt like I was, um, I feel when it comes to like being a social entrepreneur, there's always this line where it's like, Oh, well, I just, I want to do a good thing. But at the same time, it's like, but I also have to pay bills. So yeah. yeah so it, it, that's, you know, where I, when I got to that point, um, cause it was like, all right, well, I have to pay for the, the mailing list. I have to pay for, you know, the website, I have to pay for development and, um, iterations and all this other stuff. So it was like, all right, so I can't keep doing, I can't, it can't be for free. Like I appreciate it. And, um, I'm, I guess the benefit in that is, is having people be able to see the value in whatever you're creating. And then it's like, okay, you know, this is, I get it. Um, so that's when I, when I got to that point where I was like, all right, well, this is cool. But you know, I'm one, this was, this is something that I'm extremely passionate about. So even in building this, I was like, this, this has to be the end game has to be, this is my full time. Like this is my job. Um, and I, that, that can't be possible unless I'm actually getting something from it. So that was when, you know, that, that, that switch happened, um, last year I was like, yo, I really want this to be my full time. So I can't, I have to figure out, you know, monetization and start going that route. 
Mm, I love that. I love that. I love that. So now let's take it back because we, we got official Black Wall Street and we're going to make sure I'm going to plug it at the beginning of the episode too. They go download the app. This is game changing. We breaking it on the Minority Trailblazer. So it makes no sense not to go ahead right now. Stop what you're doing and go download the app and then tell a friend to download the app. And yo, give the feedback. Like we, 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 at, we, we live. You, what's the, what's the IG? What's the IG for your, for, for official Black Wall Street? It's official Black Wall Street. And then for Twitter. Um, Twitter, it's the Black Wall Street, Street ST. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, guys, 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 once you download it, let us know. Give us the feedback. We'll continue working. I'm excited to break that. So, let's let's go back to where it all started, man. Who was Mandy Bowman? Like, did you grow up, was it a single-parent household? Was it double? Did you have brothers and sisters? Um, What part of Bed-Stuy? High school, college? Like, where you from? Where you from? All right. Um, So, I'm, I grew up in Bed-Stuy, um... I grew up single parent household with my mom. My dad has always been in the picture. Um, so um, I would say I grew up probably lower, lower class um, in Bed-Stuy. Um, my mom has always been like a huge inspiration for me because she's just so selfless um, with everything. Um and I also kind of grew up in a West Indian household. So my mom is from St. Vincent. Her whole family is from St. Vincent. My dad is African-American. They're all from um, South Carolina. Um, so that's where I grew up. Um, I was always, what's weird is I was always into, not really weird, but I was always into music. I played the piano when I was younger. Um, I ended up going to a performing arts school um, for vocal music Um and when I was younger, my dream was, oh, I want to be a singer. I wanted to be a singer so badly. And then I went to um, LaGuardia High School and I was like, you know, I don't really want to be a singer anymore. So that's when I kind of switched. Um, I switched up um, and decided that I, I wanted to pursue being an entrepreneur and a businesswoman um, full time, um, tenfold. So that's where um, that's where I, I grew up. Um and man, I love being from Bed-Stuy. I'm sure that's like a common thing with people. <laughs> I hear that all the time. With Everybody like, I love Bed-Stuy, man. There's so much yeah. love out there, fam. B. <laughs> I know I sounded so corny, man. Please don't <laughs> at me. I said I was corny. I know it was corny. You got to work on it a little bit. Yeah, that was horrible, 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 horrible. <laughs> it was like a mix of that and then like something I seen off like, uh, what's the movie? Paid in Full mixed I with something work. I seen off of random like New York stuff. Like... <laughs> Uh, seriously, I was walking in the hall the other day. I really felt like money minutes. I was feeling myself so much. I was on the block, had my all had my long sleeve black shirt. <laughs> it was bacon. And I was like, son, this is it. I had the Jay-Z 444, like the Bob Marley. <laughs> it's crazy. I love Brooklyn. I love New York. I love Bed Stuy. I actually I ain't gonna yeah. lie. I've never been to Bed Stuy though. I, uh, is Brooklyn by Bed Stuy? Where's Best Stuy at? Best Stuy is in Brooklyn. Um Oh, so Best Stuy's in Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We gotta. We gotta. Um, <laughs> we gotta show you around. Give you a tour. Yeah, I'm coming to New York uh, next week, and we got the next for like. Yeah. Days. Yeah. We gotta. We gotta connect then. Um. But yeah, in Brooklyn, there are a bunch of different neighborhoods. That's where you have Crown Heights. That's where you have Bed Stuy. You have East Flatbush. Um. All of that is all in in Brooklyn. Um. And I know people always say like people from New York and Brooklyn are always so loud and so proud. But um, growing up in Bed-Stuy, there's a lot that you see, at least growing up during that time, there's a lot that you see that that um, I guess you could say it builds character. Um, yeah, I'd say it builds character. <laughs> um, 
um, I was going to give an example, but it's kind of, I'll give it anyway. Um, so for example, even though this is really horrible, um, I remember, I remember one time in elementary school, um, there was, God, there, there were just a bunch, a bunch of instances of things that I feel like when you grow up in New York, you see a lot of things that you, that you never thought you would see, or you wouldn't see elsewhere. And it, it gives you a thick layer of skin, I'd say. Um, and then going to a performing arts school where everybody is different and not just like, it's diversity on a whole different level that I think everyone should ad- adapt to. Where it's not just, okay, you have black people and Asian people and white people and Hispanic people. It's more so like you have people who have pink hair and people who, um, you know, wear leather boots all the time and people who listen to this type of music and this, you know, people who listen to classical music. It's just like a such a dope, um, like, form of diversity um, that you really can't find elsewhere. Um and it, it it's it's interesting in fact that you can go anywhere else and you'll see the craziest things in the world and I think I think that's so funny about New York where it's like you'll see something completely crazy and you'll just continue walking. Yeah, that's the, that's the crazy. Yeah, I remember one time I was getting on the train and this was like sometime in the summer and there was a you know the the thing from the movie The Saw. Oh, the yeah, jigsaw. Yeah. Oh, do- oh, <gasps> oh, there was this guy. I don't know if it was he was dressed up as the jigsaw person on the train. I was like, what is happening with my life right now? Bro, did you sit and next people- to him? No, I didn't even get in that car. So that was probably one time where I was like, okay, this is a little, this is this is a little extra New York. Um, but it was crazy because there are people who were just in there chilling with him, and I'm like, this is actually scary. Like, what are y'all doing right now? But I feel like you see so much crazy stuff that it doesn't even like you, it, I don't know. It just, I feel like you can't really get shocked at things. Mm, yeah. Um, so yeah, growing up in New York is, it's definitely interesting, um, to say the least. Um, but yeah, I went to, um, I went to LaGuardia, decided I didn't want to do music anymore, at least professionally. Um, or at least as a singer, I definitely wanted to work behind the scenes cause I just oh, love this. Oh, I did do a little something. Oh, <laughs> hey, debut some. What's up? You know, <clears throat> the way my allergies are going now, <laughs> that would be, the, you I know. I turn this thing into the voice. I, I, I ain't <laughs> thought about that. We can cross over the black voice. No, they already got that. What is that? What is that? Uh, that is, uh, it's, on, it's in New York. It's called, uh, and this is, don't kill me. What is it called? It's, mm-hmm. it's historic. It's the comedians <laughs> and stuff like that. Oh, there. the Apollo? Yeah, the Apollo. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, how, yeah, so what college you go to? Um, I went to Babson, Babson. College. Babson. Um, where is Babson at? Give some context because I know a lot yeah. of people don't know where Babson at. Yes, yeah, so it's a small business school um, in Massachusetts, like 30 minutes outside of um, Boston. Um, which it, So the reason why I went to Babson is really interesting. Um, I definitely did not see myself going there. Um, I had this one teacher in high school who kind of helped me with the whole college process. Um, I told her I wanted to to be an entrepreneur she's like Babson you gotta go to Babson you'll be a millionaire this that that's it for you um I researched it and was like mm, it's not really you know what I'm looking at it was a very small school and I always saw myself going to like a larger university um but I applied anyway 
um, what was interesting was that she was like, yeah, you should apply. You probably won't get in, but you should still apply you, anyway. What? Like, <laughs> yeah, now listen, I've, I've always been, you know, like a straight A student. So when she said that, I was like, oh, I wonder why you think I won't get in. Um, so she tells you she should go to Babson and this says you probably won't get in? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm not even sure where her, you know. Um, yeah. What it was about me that made her think I I probably wouldn't get in, um, especially since I had the grades for it. But that's a, a conversation for another time. Um, so I applied for it and I was like, all right, she said I probably won't get in. Um, so I, I did like the Common App where I applied for it, um, but didn't send in the the other part because I was like, okay, um, I she said I won't get in so what's the point of me doing the extra you know to try and apply especially if it's not a school that I actually want to go to um so the deadline had passed and it had been like a week after and they had contacted me and said hey we noticed that you didn't finish this you know we're gonna give you an extra week so I was like oh okay um so then that was when I you know finished the rest of it um, I still didn't think anything of it um I had applied to other schools that I was really excited about um I ended up getting into Babson, um, which was exciting because only because she told me I probably wouldn't get in. But even then, I still wasn't really into it. I went to visit all of the schools that I had applied for. Um, and then I went to visit Babson. And as soon as I got there, I was like, this is it. This is my school. Um, it was a really weird feeling, but I remember walking through campus and I've just felt like it was home for me. Mm-hmm. Um, or like I was, I was just supposed to be there, um, and I, I, if I could do it all over again, I would absolutely go again. Um, so I love the fact that it was a small school, which is interesting because I was not into any small schools. Um, but the professors, um, the staff, they they know you by name. Um, um, they have this great entrepreneur program where the first year they um, have you start your own business, like give you real money. Wow. Um, like how yeah, much? Like 500 or like, like a couple racks? Um, I think it was 3,000. Three? They give you three racks and say, go, go get it? <laughs> what? Yeah. Take the what? I didn't, what? <laughs> Don't quote me, but I, I feel like it was 3,000. Um, and I, I love Shoot, it must have been they, expensive to go there. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it definitely is. Um, yeah. But luckily, I mean, they were good to me when it came to financial aid because I, because of my background, um, which was cool. Um, so it was, it was, I mean, when you go there, they literally, I mean, you set foot on campus and it's like, all right, create a PowerPoint, um, you know, to pitch your business idea. Like you really jump in um, head first. Um, and that's what I loved about it. I felt like I, like they really prepared me for, um, you know, what I was to meet or what I was to, you know, to come into contact with in the corporate world or in the business world. Um, so that's where I went to college. Um, and from there, um, yeah, from that's where, you know, everything started after I graduated, I was like, I just want to learn about all things black. You know, black culture. <laughs> is Babson black though? No, it's not. So I mean, um, real quick. So what was your? I mean, I'm all for the black culture, but what's your fa- fascination once you left there to be all entrenched into black though? Um. So I would say okay. So 
I grew up in Bed-Stuy where it, it was basically all black minorities. Um, I went to school where it was extremely diverse. Um, so I never felt like I was the minority. Um, <clears throat> and then I went to Babson and that was my first time being in a, in a situation or somewhere where I was the minority or I was sitting next to people who had never met a black person before, you know, face to face, which was crazy to me. Um, and that was kind of when, <clears throat> that was when, you know, the Trayvon Martin case happened. And, um, I just never been so aware of my blackness before, um, oh my gosh, you know, going to parties in either at Babson or in the area and, you know, they're rapping to niggas in Paris and they're saying the word and you're like, what is happening right now? You know, I just, I had never been in that type of, um, that type of situation before. Um, and so I had taken, I had taken an African-American, culture class. I forgot if it was like African-American, I think it was African-American history or African-American music, something like that. Um, and that it piqued my interest into, and, you know, and learning more about black culture outside of what I was taught when I was younger. Um, that was when I, I learned more about, um, so I did a, okay, this is where it was. I did a, my own projects, um, or an independent study project about black music and the history of black music in our country. And I was just, from that, I was just extremely um, interested in learning as much as possible um, about black culture. Um, so it was a combination of that and just my experience in being like the one black person um, in your class. <clears throat> and it was a different kind of black. Cause I, even in high school, I, there were instances where I was the only black person, but um, everyone was basically liberal. I mean, we were all in New York. Um, we were all performing our students. So we all had a certain level of, toler of, um, tolerance. And, um, and then I went to Babson where it's a lot more conservative. And I was there with these, um, you know, kids who had trust funds and their parents were Republican and they had never seen the black person before unless they were working for them or unless the black person was working for them. So it was just a, a, a really different frame mm -hmm. of mind. Yeah, nah, I get that's that's a totally, totally, totally different. And um, I know we got we got we on the clock now. We got 17 minutes oh, and man. we got a lot of ground to cover. So we're going to do it like this. Right. So first, uh, briefly, TEDx, talk to us real quick about that experience. And uh, what did you get from the from that whole experience just delivering it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was that. Oh, my gosh. That was actually my first time giving any type of public speaking anything, um, which was really cool that it was TEDx. Um, but I had uh, it took a lot of prep work, um, of course, a lot of research. Um, and I had I was lucky enough to be connected with another speech coach um, towards the end of my prepping for it. Um, who helped me a lot when it came to like organizing my speech um, and getting ready for that. So it was it was extremely nerve wracking, um, but it was dope because it was at an HBCU, which was the first time it was held at one. Um, so from that, I was able to meet so many other you know like minded people who were interested in what I was doing or who had you know been trying to do something similar, or at least trying to support black businesses on some level. Who was who I was able to connect with. Um, so it was a cool experience. Yeah, nah. And then talk talk to us about appearing on the Queen Boss of Centuries TV. I mean, you go from TED Talks to um, doing a business pitch on TV. Like, how was that? 
that that was that was also really nerve wracking. Because um, <laughs> that was that was also my first time giving a pitch for official Black Wall Street. So <laughs> every time I have a first, you know, time doing something is always a lot bigger than I probably would have wanted it to be. But it's all yeah. a blessing. <laughs> um, what's interesting is even with that, um, one of the casting directors that contacted me through my Kickstarter. Um, so the Kickstarter was great when it came to exposure in general. And also the person who organized the TED Talk found me through my Kickstarter. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was definitely more, you know, it was helpful in more ways than one. Um, so that was a nerve wracking experience. It was my first pitch. Um, even looking back at it, it was like, it was, um, it was a first pitch. (laughs) You know, it was what it was. (laughs) Um, it wasn't the best, but it, it was it was a cool experience because I got to push myself outside of my comfort zone. And that's a big thing for me, because um, I feel like, you know, all these experiences they're they're absolutely not things that I would have done because I'm a very low key person. Um, but it's great because it everything that I do, everything that scares me, um, all of those things, it just eases me out of my comfort zone um and prepares me for a lot you know more you know bigger things Mm, you already hit on the head and we're going to do something interesting with your professional career so i I know you worked at atlanta records complex magazine in essence so if you could for each and i'm gonna name the name just say how you got the job and then what Mm -hmm. is the biggest lesson you learned from each so let's start with atlanta records um so atlantic records i got the job um when I graduated from Babson, that was I, that was my dream job. I wanted to work in marketing at a record label. Um, so I had I literally just applied for it online. Um, my biggest lesson with that one was, um, whew, my biggest lesson was <laughs> you can do two to, if you need <laughs> <laughs> was um, uh, to prioritize myself and things that I'm passionate about. Um, cause it was, it was my dream job, but at one point in time it was like, okay, I want to do more than this, but I don't have the time because this is just taking up so much of my time. Um, so my biggest lesson was to prioritize myself, um, with that job. Mm. And what was your role within that job? I was a digital marketing coordinator. Mm. Okay. First job out. And how long did you stay there? I stayed there for about two and a half years. Mm. Oh, that's huge. That's huge. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Complex. How'd you get the job at Complex? And what was the top two nuggets you learned from that experience? Um, At Complex, I... How did I get that? I, I So, um, I had literally just been applying to jobs like crazy. And Complex was one of the ones that I applied to. Um, I think it was through Glassdoor. Um, Glassdoor. Shout out to Glassdoor. Yeah. And everything just, you know, just worked out from there. Um, my lesson or what I learned, um, at complex, um, well, this isn't really like a, a larger thing, but I just learned a lot when it comes to, um, social media, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, cause their social media pages are, um, I mean, they do really well. Um, so it was just a good lesson in how to, to reach like millennials and, um, how to, um, like post engaging content and engaging captions, um, <clears throat> I guess my other lesson was, um, hmm. what other lesson did I learn? You know, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to come back to that one. Cool, cool, cool. And I think there's <laughs> something to be said and I wish I had more time. There's something to be said about actually 
picking up like when you're working for a company and you're you're working for them, but then seeing how they move and how they operate and how you can utilize it to implement on your own. I think a lot of people miss mm-hmm. that gap. Everybody's rushing to be an entrepreneur, to leave their job, but there's so much stuff they can learn on their job right now. I don't care where it's at. I don't care if it's McDonald's, whatever. Mm-hmm. So much stuff on your job right now that you, just because you're not present, you're not realizing, they could really aid you in whatever else you do. But I, I'll save that rant for another day because I can go on forever. Uh, and then Essence Magazine. How'd you get the job and then what you learned? Um, so Essence, someone um, someone from the HR team at Time Inc. actually contacted me on LinkedIn and was like, hey, we have this position open. We think you'd be a great fit. Um, and it's Essence. So I was like, absolutely. You know, um, So I took the interview for that and everything kind of fell into place and worked out. Um, I was a social media manager there. Um, and I... From, so my biggest lesson at Le- at Essence was um, self care, um, which I guess is a spinoff of prioritizing yeah, this, yourself. This seems this seems to be a theme. Yeah, um, you know all these jobs. It's been interesting because I've had a lot of, I, I guess you would call them cool jobs, um, but at all of them, it just seemed like it wasn't. You know, I say a, a really big lesson I've learned with all of my jobs is you know knowing knowing, um, your passion, um, and your why for whatever your job is. So for me, um, my first job, I was really passionate about music and I really wanted to work in the music industry. Um, but then the why kind of slipped away. I didn't really have a why anymore. I didn't feel like I was doing anything, you know, greater than myself. Um, and the same at the other jobs I was at. So for me, it, like it, it is, I get exactly what you said before. Cause I feel like it, it all played a major role into where I am now and the things that I've learned. Um, so even at essence, I learned a lot about like SEO and about, you know, different articles and making them, um, making them, um, more attractive to people so that they can actually click and read. Um, and at complex, I learned a lot about influencer marketing and all of these things really, really helped me. Um, and I was able to kind of apply them to official Black Wall Street in some way, shape or form. Um, so, I mean, just going back to the prioritizing yourself thing, I just, I learned the lesson that I just was not, I was meant to be an entrepreneur. Um, it's a lot of hard work, but at all the jobs I've been at, there was always just, it was like, oh, okay, this is really cool. And then it was, mm, this is not, it's still not, <laughs> still not there for me. Um, so I think the biggest lesson was just knowing your why. And every time I went to another job, it was like, okay, but my, my, my actual why is official black wall street. That's like where my passion is. Um, but, um, I feel like I, I truly believe that everything happens for a reason. And even looking back, I can look at everywhere that I've been and be like, oh, you know, if I didn't go there, then I wouldn't have known how to do X, Y, and Z with official black wall street, or I wouldn't have learned how to, you know, really, um, at Essence, I really learned how to, um, Essence was really instrumental in kind of showing me how to um, really optimize social media and when it comes to branding and making sure your, everything looks clean. And, um, you know, so everywhere that I've been, it's kind of been <clears throat> a stepping stone for learning something, you know, that I can apply to my business. Mm, I love it. Everything matters. Mm-hmm. Everything matters. So as we transition to our Last round, our culture change round. That's a series of five rapid fire questions and hopefully to receive rapid fire answers. You ready to go? All right, I'm ready. What is the best piece of advice that you have never received? 
Ah, uh, that's a good one. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, the best piece of advice that I've never received. Um, so I guess it's not really advice, but um, the, so people always talk about entrepreneurship and how great it is. And, um, you know, um, you'll get to to define your own schedule and all these other things, but they never really tell you the downside of entrepreneurship. Like it's actually, um, there are so many things you need to touch on and it's, it's a lot of, it can be very stressful at times. Um, so I think, I guess the best advice that no one has ever given me is, you know, how to just stay, how to be organized when it comes to being an entrepreneur, um, and how to deal with, you know, different failures and things that you have to bounce back from. Mm, love that. Love that. That's why they write the books at the end and tell it. Uh, right. If you could add one <laughs> habit and take away one habit, what would they be? Um, if I could add one habit, it would be going to bed earlier mm -hmm. <laughs> and just having a better, you know, to bed, getting out of bed routine. Um, if I could take away one habit, it would be... Um, I was going to say creating a list for everything, but that that's actually kind of helpful. Um, I could take away one habit. I guess it would be my love for brunch. Oh, I man. Like brunch I New York is in this brunch. My God. <laughs> $25 for pancakes? Yeah. What? Yeah, it, it adds up. It adds what? up. So I would take away that habit. It adds up. Y'all always brunching. I'm like, yo, that's why I said I ain't dating nobody from New York, man. Because they always <laughs> trying to brunch. And let's, let's go to brunch. No, we not. We can make brunch. I'm, I can go get you some a pancake mix. Like, we, I can make the pancake. You can make the eggs. Like, and we can go buy our own mimosas. But I'm not going to pay 25 for that. And then another 20 for the mimosas. I don't spend 50 mm -hmm. on me. Yep. That's, that's, that's exactly what I go with you. It's going to be funny. For brunch? Yep. Nah. So that's, I mean, I've been good at it this summer because, you know, funds are tight since I'm not at Essence anymore um, or I don't have a full time outside of official Black Wall Street anymore. So I've been good at it, you know, at scaling down on different things. But, you know, nah, I love When brunch. chicks are good at scaling down, they scale up on these dudes. They be buying their brunch. But that's all <laughs> in the conversation. Oh, I'm scaling down. You're okay, right. cool. You just send a text. And then now you got like, yo, so I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to go there. Scale it. I'm scaling down. You can scale down all you want. Like at a side note, I some. I hope you don't listen to. I ain't gonna put it out there. I, I love it. because it's just I, the crazy. I've seen the craziest stuff happen, and I'm like, uh -huh. how you? No, how you invite somebody out for lunch, and then like I, I did not did I even I didn't even want to go to, and then I paid for it. I said I didn't oh, even do wow. this. I'm like I know I'm a man. But I, I mean, hopefully she not listen. I mean, I, I no, no offense to her. I, I, she's cool. That's the mm -hmm. homies. But I felt some type of way. The check came and she just got like, yo, she just kept talking. I was like, yo, a minute went by. Two minutes went by. I'm like, yo, you going to pick this thing up? Like, I usually pay for all, but I did not ask for this. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the, that's one of the downfalls of, yeah, you know, I feel like if, you know, if, if it's like a first thing or just lunch, then we'll just split it. You know, it's, it's cool. It's communication though. I think it was on me. I said, I took the L. I said, yo, I should communicate. I said, hold up. What is this? Is this, <laughs> is this like, did you, did you invite me to lunch? Do you think it's a date? Like, <laughs> like what, 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 where does this go to? Like, right. I did not sign up for the date, boy. I didn't do that. So I was like, that, no, but uh, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> here nor there. Uh, what is your favorite book and why? Um, my favorite book. Oh man, I have so many. Um, I don't want to be a nerd. Um, and I feel like I should say something like something business related, but I love Harry Potter books. 
Oh, I love Harry Potter too. Harry, yeah. Bruh, what Harry Potter? <laughs> Change, bruh. I, bruh. <laughs> Harry Potter? Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel. I feel like. Yeah, I feel a little conflicted, but I'm just gonna say it. I love Harry Potter books. It's probably my favorite. My favorite out of you know all the books that I have. Yeah, bro, because Harry Potter, I mean, honestly, and this is like, yo, guy, you're reaching. That's what these motivational speakers do. They reach. They make. They try to apply everything to everything. But uh-huh. Harry Potter, like, exposed my mind to the possibilities of what's out there. Like, mm-hmm. That's a good the, way to look at it. Seriously. Like, I mean, that's why I've always had the no limits type of attitude. And, like, we can make it happen. Because mm-hmm. Harry Potter, I mean, go, look at look at Dragon Ball Z with Goku. Like, mm-hmm. Goku always kept getting back up, kept getting stronger. Even when people were obviously stronger than him, he overpowered them. So I, I, I learned so much in my cartoons and in the books that I've read early on that mm-hmm. still power me to this day. So, yeah, don't no, no hold that. Say that with pride. Say that with some face. <laughs> put some respect on Harry Potter. You're right. Uh, you're right. <laughs> what is your biggest fear? Um... Can I can I name two? Because I feel like one is a little. Yeah. So okay, one of my my biggest fears I I'm really afraid of snakes. I remember I can't even look at pictures of snakes without freaking out. Um. So snakes, that's one of them. And my second fear um is just not I guess not reaching my full potential. Um. But like I'm an I'm a, I'm a Capricorn, so I'm very very ambitious. Um. So I guess that's one of my biggest fears, just not reaching my my full potential nah that's that's a that's everybody's fear that's real that's real that's real and last before we enter our last question if you were the president of the united states what's the first thing you would do uh if i was the president of the united states i would find some way to make college free that would be the first thing that i would do just make it free Mm, I love that. That's a, that's a real answer. That's a real answer. So as we wrap it up, I call myself the culture change agent. So every single person that comes in the show is a culture change agent in their own right. So this question is for this. If you could change this question is for this. What does that mean? <laughs> this question is for this. Early. If you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, what would it be and why? Hmm. If I could change one thing about African-American culture or society, um, uh, I would, uh, this is a loaded one. Um, I, I would change our mentality. Um, there's a lot of, I wouldn't say, but I, I'll start with that. Um, I would change our mentality cause I feel like we have so much potential to just do amazing things. We've done it in the past. Um, but I, I feel like one of the issues now is that we don't know what we can, like what our, our potential is. Um, cause we're not taught, we're not taught that, um, we're not taught our true history. Um, so I would change our mentality just in terms of us doing, doing dope things. Um, God, there's so much I want to say to that. Um, but I feel like where I grew up I mean, at. Yeah, you can um, expound. This is this is outside the culture change round. So if this is just okay. a good time to stand on the stand on your your soapbox as we conclude. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Because um, I I mean I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood um, with black teachers. Probably had one white teacher. Um, but even then, we were never taught anything about um, our history outside of slavery and then Martin Luther King happened and Malcolm X and Harriet Tubman and now we're here um 
And that was that was probably one of my biggest lessons. And I, there are some things that I still didn't learn about myself or about my history until I was a full grown adult. Um, and I feel like that played a huge role in my self-esteem growing up because I just never thought I was capable of certain things. I remember being younger and um, and wishing I looked a different way or was lighter or had, you know, longer hair. Um, and I didn't I didn't I didn't realize um I didn't realize how special I was until I got a lot older and I, you know, learned about self-love. Um, and I feel like, you know, when it comes to our mentality, representation matters. Um, and I think, you know, learning about who we are matters a lot. And then I, I think that that's the first step to realizing that we can do such you know, amazing things in life. We can support our own and we can, you know, build our community. We don't need other people on the outside to do that for us. Um, and I think we're, we're getting to the point where we, we know that now. Um, but I think that, um, man, I just, I, growing up, there's just so much I didn't know about myself. And if I could go back, I would have, um, you know, taught myself, all of these things about our history because it, it really plays. I think that's why I've become such, um, such a confident person or become much more confident, um, in my adult years, because I know that I know a lot more about my history and what we've done and what we've overcome and, you know, the amazing things that we've done. Um, and you know, there's a reason why we're not taught about black wall street when, you know, when we're in elementary school as we should, um, there's a reason why we're not taught about, you know, different kings and, and queens in West Africa. Um, and I feel like it all plays a role in our self-esteem and what we think that we can accomplish and um, how we view ourselves and how we view our own businesses, um, which is a major thing. I feel like I just said a lot, but um, I would I think our first thing would be um, changing our mentality and just learning about who we are and where we come from. Mm, I love that. I love that. I love this. So, man, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. I had a great time. And before we wrap out, please share with, and I know we did it in the middle of the podcast, but where can we find you at? Where we, where can we find everything official Black Wall Street and share any special announcements you have before we close out? Yes. Yeah, so you can find me on social media at Mandy X Bowman, um, official Black Wall Street. Um, you can find it on social media, official Black Wall Street or the Black Wall Street on Twitter. Um, and also the app is out. So download it on, um, Android and Apple devices. All you got to do is search for OBWS or official black wall street and it'll pop right up. Mm, love that. Love that. Love that. So my note trouble is a nation. Make sure you download the app. If you had any questions, like I said, all these conversations can happen offline. So make sure you reach out, send an email, look at the website, whatever, do all that good stuff and, um, and give the feedback. So thank you for tuning in for another episode of my note trouble is a podcast. As always, I need to do two things and two things only. You're like, what is that? Mr. Hill? Number one. <laughs> Change, dang. Oh, yeah, yeah. Number one, subscribe and tell a friend. And number two, change the freaking culture. Good night. <laughs> oh, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot to tell you, I forgot to tell you. Make sure you leave a review. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Go grab you some merch, minoritytrailblazer.com for the merch. And yo, 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 I hope to see everybody March 9th and 10th, 2018 at the Minority Trailblazer Conference. Peace.